broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Ajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Listen, we don't like to rub it in, but our office is better than your office today. That's for sure. Yep. That includes you, Austin Lane and Coos. Mm. No doubt about it. Uh, Brent Martineau, Stuart Weber joining us here. And get used to this because Action Sports Jacks going back on the road for a bit. It's been a while, and uh, the next, uh, we'll say, a week and a half or so, you'll be seeing a lot of these two guys on the road. Austin be in studio, of course. And uh, we are ready to go. Super Bowl bound for Tampa Bay. They don't even have to leave their home. And Kansas City again. Austin just gloating and smiling because Tom Brady goes through to the Super Bowl. He wins that bet. Kansas City goes back to the Super Bowl. He wins that bet. Yeah. And he's probably happy because all the folks at the Pickle and everybody in Wisconsin, not sure what's going on with their quarterback, the legendary Aaron Rodgers, and there's probably a little smirk on the face of Austin Lane because of that. I mean, I wouldn't call it a smirk. Uh, first of all, yeah. I mean, as far as our bets are concerned this year, I think I went 10 and 1, Brent. Not a big deal. Uh, oh, I, I expect those, uh, you know, th- that check to be written out to, to, to cash, let's just say. I feel uh, like Connor make... McGregor. I mean, I feel like I'm going to enter, uh, I feel like I'm going to enter like a new tax bracket right now. So I'm pretty excited <laughs> for that. Listen, as far as the Green Bay Packers game was like, listen, I was cheering for him, Brent. I said that when we made our picks. Like, I was picking Tampa Bay in hopes that the Packers would prove me wrong like they always did and finally you know finally uh maybe the cockiness maybe the arrogance of green bay caught up to him a little bit and obviously tampa bay is going back for well tom brady's going back for another super bowl run if you will i'm a little bored guys i know i'm in the minority here because people love they absolutely love dynasties I'm not that guy like i didn't care that the cowboys won what was it 3 out of 4 years i i didn't I don't like the Patriots being as good as they were forever. I, I like to see other teams in the mix, and I like the balance of the power that is the NFL. So I, it's not, I don't dislike Mahomes. In fact, I don't dislike Brady at all. I feel good for Tampa fans. Uh, what a job putting the team together. It's been it, a tough sports year for that city. Yeah, I mean, golly. It, it, it actually is quite interesting that it's been that good of a year, and that no fewer people can enjoy it, yeah. right? Now, you can from your couch, but you just don't get the buzz that you, you could if you were seeing the Lightning selling out games, and obviously the I mean the trap's never full, and sure. it would have been for the World Series, and then Tampa the Super Bowl would be a little bit different in that sense. There's no such thing as home field advantage in the Super Bowl anyway, because it's very corporate, but there's no doubt there would be more Bucks fans than Chiefs fans, you would think. question is if the Raptors make a run to the NBA Finals, are they claiming that too? They might. They might, and they I would. Like, I feel good if I'm uh, Toronto right now. Um, either that or be associated with Tom Brady because you win there. I'm a little bit bored, guys, though, by the Bra- Brady's been so much. I would have liked to see Rodgers go. I, I was pulling for Mercedes Lewis a little bit. I think there's a lot of guys on that that uh, Packers team that have been cool to see them go to the, the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm okay with Andy Reid. I'm okay with Kelsey and, and Mahomes. And, man, they're so good and they're fun to watch. Again, I don't dislike them, but it would have been cool to see Buffalo and the fans go. So, I'm in the minority, I believe. I know everybody says, could you ask for anything better? And the answer to that for me is, yeah, I think I could, actually. I wouldn't have mind seeing Kansas City against the Packers or even the Packers against the Bills. I would have been okay with that. Uh, I got a little bored last night knowing that it was going to be Brady against Mahomes. Yeah, what drives me crazy is the fact that, once again, Brady gets to go to a Super Bowl and showcase why he's the GOAT. 
But what let's, what gets lost in translation all the time is yes, Brady is a you know he's probably the best quarterback to ever do it. But I feel like Aaron Rodgers kind of plays second fiddle a little bit, and to me that's not right because if you put Aaron Rodgers on the Buccaneers right now, there's not a doubt in my mind that Tampa Bay goes to the Super Bowl. True. If you want to put Tom Brady on the Packers this year. I guarantee you they would not have made the NFC Championship game. It's just, it's, it's a simple fact of life. So, to me, Brady's going to be the ultimate quarterback because his ability to adapt and his ability to, to find a good situation sometimes. And to me, Aaron Rodgers will always play in the shadow and second fiddle just because, let's be honest, in terms of the talent that they put around Aaron Rodgers, it's not even close to what they've done for Tom Brady. Hey, what do you like, uh, Stuart? You think? I mean, are you excited about this? I mean, people. I feel like there's a buzz about this game. I mean, partly it's a Super Bowl. There's always going to be a buzz. Everybody loves football, and you do get the goat versus really the greatest quarterback in the game, maybe right now. I know uh, Rodgers was the MVP and, and deservedly so. Will be. I mean, he wasn't yet, but he will be the MVP. He had the greater season, but this guy is unreal right now. Patrick Mahomes. Are you excited? Yeah, and I think the two weeks are going to help to get him closer to 100. percent Yeah, true. You know, you could tell it in the way he was running in the matchup on Sunday that he wasn't entirely himself. Uh, I think it's really cool that we can finally, almost, stop saying a team has never won a home game, you know, in their home city in the Super Bowl. Yeah, this is the maybe. first time it's ever being played. Or even played. gone. Yeah. yeah, even gone. So uh, that's certainly exciting for, for Tampa Bay fans to, to get that opportunity. What's crazy to me, and I saw this stat somewhere, Tom Brady has played, including this coming game, in 20% of all the Super Bowls ever. It's unbelievable. 20%... Of all the Super Bowls, he's been in it. Yeah, almost. It's Ele- like 10 11, out of 55. It'll be an right? 11 out of 55. No, this will be his 10th. Is this 10? I'm pretty sure this is 10th, so it'll be 10 out of 55. Okay, well, let's double check. That. Almost 20. He's 9 and, f- I mean, he's 6-3 uh, and three in Super Bowls. Okay, so 10 uh, so, out of 55. But yeah, your point's not lost. A lot. So, he's I mean, been in a lot of Super Bowls. The numbers so, are incredible. Yeah. But here's what other. Here's the other thing. You guys watching the game when they put up those stats in like AFC, NFC championship games, Brady's numbers were like 18 touchdowns, 14 picks, and then he threw three picks yesterday. Yeah. I. You know, Brady was oh, Brady was good in the really good in the first half. He was just okay the rest of the game, Austin. And I mean, the Packers had a chance three straight possessions end with a pick, and all they could do was get a touchdown out of that. It goes to show you the underrated talents of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because this whole season yes. we've talked about their offense, their wide receivers. You know, Grant coming back, Cameron Bray. Uh, you know, you have you know a pretty good. I guess you have a balanced attack now because Jones did pretty well and Fournette, obviously, playoff Lenny, if you will. But what gets lost is their defense. And their defense has been a calling card all season, and their defense was a calling card yesterday a little bit. And I guarantee you, like, listen, the Saints are at home right now taking it all in, maybe on vacation. I guarantee you Jameis Winston was watching right now thinking, I could have did that. Three touchdowns, three interceptions? That's what I do. Why, why, <laughs> you, hey, Arians, you couldn't give me another year to prove myself? Come on, yeah. what's up with that? Yeah, but they might have punted on fourth and five. You never know. <laughs> Late in the half. Yeah. You got to worry, by the way, about that Chiefs offensive line, too. You know, you lose Fisher. Eric Fisher, yeah. and you got to shuffle everything around on there, and now you're facing a, a Tampa Bay D-line that's coming in with a lot of confidence based on how they were able to get after the quarterback this past game. Yeah, I, listen, it's, um, it's good stuff. The storylines are, are for real. And well, the biggest storyline, of course, is Henny versus Gabbard. <laughs> let's, let's be real, people. Uh, yeah, I don't. Well, hopefully, we won't see those guys. Uh, <laughs> Larry, you share this with us. I don't know where you got this. Did you steal it from somebody else? Obviously, the, uh, has this been out on Twitter? Because I didn't see it. The, the trivia question. No. Uh, so 
you know, I posted a you know a facetious tweet saying this is the the quarterback matchup we've all been looking for, Gabbert versus Henny. And somebody replied and said, "How many ja- former Jaguar starters have then won a Super Bowl as a backup?" Yeah. So I just went and did the research and went down the line and kind of looked up each oh, of the so guys. You, so this is kind of your trivia question. Yeah, it's sure. a great trivia question. It's a great trivia question. So there are six. There's six former Jaguars who have won a Super Bowl quarterbacks. Uh, there are. Four who've done it after their time with the Jaguars. Okay. Um, do you want to start taking a guess, Austin Lane, or should we ask you this later in the show after you Google it? You said that, no. Let's do it right now. There's six <laughs> of them. You said. Yeah, there's six. Six former Jaguars that have played or won. I'm sorry. One. 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 Quarterbacks who have won the Super Bowl. Quarterbacks. Okay. So. Quarterbacks. Okay. So obviously you got Byron Leftwich. Yep. Steelers. Um. Does uh, that have won a Super Bowl? So Gabbert doesn't count. Gabbert doesn't count then. Ah uh, man, not yet. DG doesn't count. I don't think. Nope. Man, Brenton, you know this? Well, I got uh, <laughs> actually. I left off one of the most obvious ones. You got four. I think I got, you got three of the post, one of the pre. Okay. Yeah. Because um, two won it before they got to Jacksonville. Four won it after they left. Oh wow. Yeah, so uh, we'll do this ongoing. I'm not going to give them away. Don't Google it, okay? Coons, don't Google it and try to come up big here and be a hero. already Googled. Going to my earpiece. No, but does Foles count? Yes, he does. Good call. That's the one I left off. Good call. One of the most obvious ones. Good call, Coons. So you've got, who did did he have already? He said uh, Leftwich. Leftwich. So Leftwich with the Steelers as a backup. Yep. And uh, Foles. Full did it before he got here. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we'll continue that throughout the show and probably get some participation along the way. But I thought it was a really good question. It's cool. And and the irony of it all, of course, Henny. Oh, whoops. I just gave one away. Could win. There's another one. There you go. Last year, Henny. (laughs) (laughs) We got three now. There's three. (laughs) But he could win another. So he wouldn't be the different quarterback. Um, And we already mentioned Gabbert. Gabbert could become the The seventh seventh. uh, to do so. That is a question I want to ask a little bit later on the show. Are you happy for these guys? Are you mad for you? Are we done pouting in Jacksonville? Do we feel good enough that it's okay that Leonard Fournette's going to the Super Bowl? Is that still too soon? Uh, I mean, where's our level of petty when it comes to this? Because I do believe everybody today, if Mercedes Lewis was going to the Super Bowl, would be like, hey, that's awesome for Mercedes. You know, yeah, yeah. time has passed. How much would he have helped you win games? Um, you know, Leonard Fournette's a time little has bit. not passed. Leonard Fournette, time has not passed. And also, it's not his fault, but where yeah. he was drafted seemed to set the organization back. And we pin that on the players as much as we really pin it on, you know, the front office and everything else. So, and you're also happy with how that one turned out. Yeah, because James Robinson, you know, so again, I do like we, with Mercedes, you're not happy with how that turned out. Yeah, because they haven't filled the void, really, right? Um, so. Either from on the field or really off the field. That That's where that really yeah, took leadership a hit, by room. losing him in the locker room. Uh, so anyway, uh, hey, uh, Austin, what's uh, Kuz's level of mad today? Can you tell on his face that Kuz, he's not here? go ahead and pop your head up a little bit. Let me see you kind of like a prairie dog. Uh, yeah, you know what? Disappointed, to say the least. I mean, on a scale of 1 to 10 right now, like a Deshaun Watson scale of oh. 2 when Hopkins oh. left and oh. 10 wrote what he's feeling right now, Kuz is at about an 8. Yeah, well, I don't blame him. So here's the deal. We have uh, the Players' Championship Media Day. And by the way, we're back at the place where sports stopped. Yeah. You know that so this well, the Austin. Last place we were. I mean, we're almost a year removed from that, believe it or not. And they are going to allow fans in. We'll get into more about the championship, which is now just a little over 
oh, I don't know, right around six weeks away, right? Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about how much of the fans will be here, what they're planning on doing, those kind of things. Uh, but it's just around the corner. And you can tell there's significant difference with the way the tents are built and how many they're going to have out there. So there, there certainly won't be 100% of the crowds. Uh, but anyway, it's media day. It's a uh, Players Championship media day. We learn a little bit about what's going on in the 2021 event. We got to play a little golf. Humble brag. Uh, John Bachman carried us. He was awesome today. Which he was. By terrific. the way, he he carried the Cox Media Group Last radio year. team to the championship a year ago with Coos as part of that squad. And, and so that's where this story comes into play. So Coos is and Matt Ray from our Cox Media Group on the radio side, and John played last year together. Yep. And and Coos, do you remember who your fourth was? Um, he was with the, the tour. He was with the tour. Yeah. Okay. He was, uh, pretty, so, he was pretty good too. Him and him and Bachman were well, pretty level. Well, I would imagine if you were yeah. playing and <laughs> and you guys still won. So you won the media event last year. You got the golden typewriter. Yeah. And Kuz wasn't asked back. <laughs> like he wasn't his his fiance works here. Yep. Yeah. And he still wasn't asked to come back out to defend his title. Meanwhile, I was basically told that we had to have Bachman on our team. Like so I don't know how you put your team together last year, Coos. I don't know who stole your spots on the radio side. <laughs> right. WOKV. But, but that's a problem I, I on the know. radio side. It's that side of the yeah. building. I think mm-hmm. you should bring it up. The next big meeting, staff meeting, I think you should make us think about this, that you didn't get invited back. Or, or either Coos that was, or go get the typewriter and smash it. it Coos. Was, uh, w- WOKV is the one who took the spot. So the news the news guys, news guys. came out That's here. That's what happens and, when you're king of the ratings. Well, How's WAPE doing? Is that a Apes, problem right now? Apes, Apes doing fine. <laughs> but, uh, you know, from the from the, from the the uh, emotional side of this, uh, the guys at OKV, they've obviously been through a lot in the last year they with, needed with this. politics. They needed a break. Yeah, good point. Kuz, what That's are you more point. bummed about getting banned from the playing in the, at the players this year for the media day or not being able to go to the press box with me? Oh, press box because I learned so much more about football. Right. Like, like even also would just get mad at something somebody was doing wrong, and just from that I'd be like, oh, now I understand that a little bit more. (laughs) Now you know why I'm always upset. Where, where if I had gone out today, I would still be mad because I played, and that's usually what happens when I play golf. I get frustrated. Plus, you don't you don't get the free egg rolls too at at Sawgrass. Yeah, no free egg rolls. The newly formed uh, Cox Media Group radio team, I believe, did finish in dead last this did year. Did they? Yeah, they Coos, were, Coos, they were definitely be, trending. They needed they'll me, be man. asking they you to me. come back. And, they and, definitely and, needed And here's the back. irony of all this. Since last year's media day, Coos has worked a lot on his game. Yeah. That's what I right? said. I, I mean, Jack, this was, this was collusion, and I was, I was kicked out because they saw my golf Instagram photos. I'm assuming we're not in first place. We were in first place when it ended. We were the first ones out. Yeah. And so we had a little bit of head start. There was so a couple teams behind us that were cheating. That so we know they're going to pass We didn't cheat something. at all. We didn't cheat at all. No. no. Uh, and we Bachman really played well. Oh, my goodness. But we're, we finished 10 under today, and it's a shamble format. So you basically yeah. take the best person's drive, play your own ball in from there. And um, and John Bachman was really, really good. Some good so. shots out That's there. That's why. Uh, yeah, everybody. Everybody. I, I, listen, I'm going to tweet out the video later of, of Stewart on 17. But it is classic, man. Hey, remember <laughs> which, that which shot? You, which shot? You Both you remember shots. the bat flip from uh, Toronto? What's his name? Was it Batista? Jose yeah. Batista, Joey okay. Bats. Joey Bats. Oh, Joey Bats got nothing on Weber. Nothing on Weber on seventeen. That's the tease. Okay. Yep. Uh, we got a golf club flip, and it's not that I got punched in the face, or I didn't feel. Or he he did the punching in the face. Yeah, the Ronet Odor. That's right, the whole the uh, second guy. base. I didn't get thing. punched. Yeah. In the, well, I did get punched. Was in the he face part the of that? Time. Was Batista part? He's of the that? one who punched him. 
Was he? Okay. Oh, yeah. I remember, I remember that with the Rangers, yeah. Joey Bat's got a right hand on him. All right. So uh, so we'll tell you a little bit more. That's why we're out here at the Players' Championship. And hopefully we'll be out here again in, uh, in March uh, for the 2021 edition of the uh, Players' Championship. We are about to take a trek, Stuart and I, starting later tonight. Uh, it was going to be the Senior Bowl, Austin, but we're going to skip that leg of the trip. This just in. Because it doesn't appear that the Jags folks are going to be there. And so I mean, they'll have scouts there, obviously, to scout the Senior Bowl. But the we thought it might be the first move of uh, the Urban Meyer era or the Trent Baalke era. And it doesn't line up like that as of now. And so uh, given the virtual nature of a lot of the Senior Bowl, we're not going to, uh, to, to go over to Mobile. It, it uh, our leg of the trip will start somewhere else. We're not going to give up all the details. We'll tell you where we're at tomorrow, and that's how it will go. But go ahead. I will say it did pop up in my uh, Facebook memories yesterday or the day before, our first on-camera interview with Gus Bradley. I interviewed him at the Senior Bowl Okay. When right when we had just hired him. Well, and that's interesting. And Austin, I want to ask you about this a little bit, because in 17, Doug Marone didn't go because he was assembling his staff. I think we talked a little bit about this yesterday. Urban Meyer is assembling his staff. Um but the idea that Balky's not going to be there is interesting to me uh, from a GM level. I, I think that might have to do with probably the way they're going to view it and all the kind of social distancing and just a different operation, the way it's run. They're probably going to have a lot more tape to be able to just see and sift through, and staying home might be just as good. But are you a little bit surprised at all at maybe – uh, the fact that Urban Meyer and the new coaching staff aren't done by now and able to go, do you think they're missing something at the Senior Bowl? I think they are missing something. Now, depending how the protocols are going to get put into place of what the coaches could watch and how they could interact, and obviously the GM goes in that category as well. Like, to me, the Senior Bowl, it's the first time where if you're in an NFL organization, you can see how these players respond to an NFL practice. Now, it's one thing to watch it on TV or or go by like what a scout would say but it's another thing to actually see just the vibe and see the energy at this practice see it in person you know like maybe there's something that a scout could miss for instance i mean a, a good telling thing would be let's say they're going through like a little like a conditioning drill right and all of a sudden one of the players like kind of slacks off a little bit or he shakes his head like that's a tell right there and you need those tells because Urban Meyer is trying to bring a certain type of person to his team. He's trying to draft a certain guy or get a certain kind of guy in undrafted free agency. And the easiest way to pick that up is obviously watching film. But a better way to get a feel of what these guys are bringing to the table and what these guys can bring to your team and how these guys learn is watching them in practice, in a live situation. And I think you're doing yourself a disservice um, if you don't see that in person for yourself. Yeah, and I think that's what's go. What I want to be a little careful of is the way way it's been done, and the way it's going to be done. And that's what we are really wrestling with this from a coverage standpoint. Yeah. You know, and and I've, we've talked about it, Austin. We weren't sure should we go to the Senior Bowl? Should we go to the Super Bowl? There is no combine. Will we go to pro days? Like, what is the availability? What's going to be available? What's going to be the lowdown for not only us to cover it, yeah. but also for teams to do their normal thing? And I think it's going to be that unique. Uh, where some might say, especially given the nature of changeover inside the building, that it might be better to stay close to home. So I, I, I don't want to be overly critical, yeah. um, but I, I was a little surprised that uh, I guess one of the two new biggest hires won't be in Mobile. That's Bulky and Meyer. It is a little bit surprising, and you know that's a, a key place for us to get general manager video. There's not <laughs> a lot of places that we can get you know content of them doing their thing. 
Uh, I know because we used the same shot of Dave Caldwell from the Senior Bowl for like eight years. Yes. <laughs> because we don't have that many shots of him doing the GM thing, and that is the GM thing to be there evaluating guys and getting ready for the upcoming draft. So it is interesting that that he's not making that trek, but you know they have their reasons. And and, and again, they have scouting staff. There, yeah. Right. That's part of it. It's not Trent Bulky's not sitting there making every little notation anyway. So there's a lot of scouts still doing work. And keep in Austin too. You know. A lot of these scouts have already done the work. I, I think it's one of the most fascinating things. If you want to change things up, like a lot of people suggest, hey, you know what, maybe the Jags should shake up their scouting staff. Maybe they should. Well, you can't do it even when you make a change in January. Those guys have done all the work the last 18 months. So you, the earliest you can do it is the day the draft ends. Yeah. Because no. all the work is put in with those people doing most of the heavy lifting. No, I get it. Like, listen, the, the work has been done. They've seen the film. But once again, we always talk about when they go to the combine and they interview these guys, a lot goes into the interview process and how these players answer the questions. Well, even more should go out, out to the fact of how do these players practice? Like, how do they look to you in person through a live drill session in an NFL yeah. practice? Like, that, to me, means something. Yeah, uh, I don't disagree with you. I, I will say one thing. I, I was just scrolling through some different mock drafts to see who they had at number 25 because we know who they're taking at number one. The full list, I got like 10 different guys. Of those 10, only one of them was going to be at the Senior Bowl, and that was Kadarius. Really? Everybody else was not going to be there. Kadarius Tony, you're talking yeah, about. Kadarius yeah, Kadarius Tony from the Gators. So, and that's a that's a good point. Maybe those guys they're range. targeting in that 25 spot aren't going to be there. Well, yeah, and that's just one spot. It is only one, got, but just uh, as an example. Yeah, there's there's... In the past, we've had drafts where no player from the Senior Bowl was taken. Yeah. But we've also had many drafts, like yours, Austin Lane, where there were a bunch of players. Thank you. Uh, I think Tyson, right? Tyson was at the Senior Bowl, wasn't he? Tyson was. D'Anthony Smith was. Yeah, there's a couple guys. Okay. Um, so, uh, anyway, it's a, it's it'll be an interesting thing to watch. I, I, I don't know if it's something we can be critical of. And it's not like they're doing homework. I'm just a little surprised we didn't see him out there. And uh, Well, it saves us a trip to Mobile. We're skipping that leg of the trip. We're missing Bucky's, though. We are missing Bucky's. Yeah. But Bucky's coming. To it is coming to town. It'll be, really soon. Soon. it'll be here soon. It'll be here soon. Right. When are we doing good. the live show from Bucky's? Soon enough. It's happening. Oh, yeah. All right, we'll take a break. We come back. Uh, thanks to Weber for helping us set up. And uh, you'll see a bunch of him over the next 10 days or so here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 6. 90. We come back. Let's talk about those football games a bit. I mean, LaFleur's got to be questioned for that late field goal. Holy cow. And uh, what went right, what went wrong. Let's talk a little football next. ESPN 690 rolls on from TPC Sawgrass, home of the Players' Championship, coming soon in 2021. Brent Martineau. But, man, when you hit, what is that button you used to hit, like the X button to, to accelerate? Austin Lane. I haven't played Madden in, like, ten years. Sorry, sorry we let you down there. Uh, that was a major letdown. Yeah. I mean, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Yeah, anytime it doesn't work out, you always regret it, right? But uh, it was just uh, the circumstances of having three shots and coming away with no yards and knowing that you not only need the touchdown, but you'd need the two-point. So the way I was looking at it was we essentially had four timeouts with the two-minute warning. And... You know, we, we knew we needed to get a stop, and I thought we were going to have a stop there at the end, but, you know, they, we got called for, for the PI, and it didn't work out. So I think anytime something doesn't work out, do you regret it? Sure. But we're always going to be process-driven here, and the way our defense was battling, the way our defense was playing, I felt like it was the right decision to do, and uh, it just didn't work out. Oh, that is Matt LaFleur. And he is the Green Bay head coach, and he didn't sleep last night. Yep. 
One, because they lost, and two, because his final play of the season, when you're playing for a Super Bowl, was a field goal to pull within five. That was the final, essentially, offensive play. I know it's a special teams play. You don't sleep well at night when that's the case, whether you had three timeouts, a fourth with a two-minute warning. It doesn't matter. You just can't sleep well. Like, that has to work or you're a dummy. And today he's the dummy because that was dumb. <laughs> I, I just I said it when it was happening, and I, I, I likened it to the Cleveland game. And, and if you don't remember, a couple weeks ago, Cleveland now had way more. The, the book would probably say Cleveland's right. Go f- uh, kick it away. You have four and a half minutes to go. Go play defense against Kansas City. Mahomes was out of the game. Henny was in. Um, I think they only had one or two timeouts at the time, but they also had a fourth and nine. They're down five points, and what you risk is when you give the ball back to those kind of teams, Kansas City, even with Henny, and you give the ball back to Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time, well, then you risk not getting the ball back. I don't care what defense you have, what the numbers say. And it just didn't make sense to me. I want two chances to win. I want to go out being aggressive. And in, in my situation with Cleveland a couple weeks ago, I said, okay, even if you get a stop, they kick a field goal, you're down by eight, you still have a chance. So even if you don't get the fourth and nine on your own end, you still have a chance. You still have to play defense. They kick the field goal, you have a chance. Now give yourself two chances then. Well, same goes for Green Bay. Give yourself two chances. Get a stop on defense if you don't get the fourth down and they're deep inside their own 10, you're probably going to get the ball back around midfield and do it again. Again, you have a great, great quarterback. Give him the football. Let him do it. Austin, it made absolutely no sense to me. So if you're a Packers fan right now, and I'm sure it was a rough night, I'm sure you got your, you know, your fair shake of bratwurst and cheese curds and Miller High Life, just to say the least. But if you're a Packers fan today and you're looking at where can I point the finger? Like, why should I be upset right now that a team that went to the NFC Championship last year repeated and is not going to the Super Bowl this year? And to me, it starts with Matt LaFleur and that call. Like, to me, that call made all the difference. Now, if you want to go by the analytics or whatever like that, I mean, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. Okay, Austin, the the do day. analytics, Austin, do well, analytics tell you to go for the field goal? No, but here, hang on. But here's what I'm trying to say, though, okay? So if you want to go with analytics and team identity, let's just call it, third quarter, 24 seconds left, uh, it was that Devonta Adams two-yard touchdown pass. Okay. Packers are down by five points. What do they do? They went for two, they right? Did. They were down by five, and they chose to go for two. Now, regardless of what the analytics say, regardless of what the game flow says, if you've been following this team all season, you know that the Packers don't kick field goals. So planning to tie the game on a field goal should have never been in the resume in the first place of that game. So why then they didn't do an extra point right there? Whatever. But so be it. So the analytics said, okay, let's go for two right there and let's risk it for the biscuit. Fine. Then let's fast forward to that fourth quarter, okay? When you got about two minutes left, obviously you got Aaron Rodgers. It's fourth down, like fourth and eight, and you choose to kick a field goal. Like, in those two plays right there, they contradict themselves. You fail to show your identity, and as a head coach, you fail to show what you believe in. 
at the end of the day, to prove your point, yes, Brent, I agree with you. In terms of when you have Aaron Rodgers, when your team is known for the offense, you should put the ball in Aaron Rodgers' hands and let the chips fall where they may. You put it in Mason Crosby's foot, he made it because he's automatic, but then you never get the ball back. Because why? You're going against a pretty solid offense, and your defense, to be fair, wasn't getting home at all in the backfield, and they weren't really having one of their best showings. So the fact that you're, you know, you're Aaron Rodgers today, I, I would be upset. I would be upset because we didn't establish an identity. I'd be upset because we contradicted ourselves, and I would be upset because I didn't have a chance to win a football game. Yeah, I think you. I think that's a good point, all of them. And and by the way, I don't know. What, I'm assuming you're right. The analytics said let's get within three. On uh, the 28 to 23 touchdown to Devontae Adams, they go for two. But I was actually a little bit surprised right there. And I'm somewhat of an advocate to go for two. I'm not as crazy as like, don't chase points, blah, whatever. Uh, uh, whatever the numbers say. You know, we're old school thinking because we grew up the way, you know, watching it a certain way. And it's changed in the last few years. And a lot of people don't want to admit it if the numbers say what the numbers say. But what I didn't understand there, even if it was 28-23 and there's like late third quarter, you said, right? And and I think... uh if you're Lafleur, what you have to say is, okay, are we really going to shut out Brady and the Bucks for the rest of this game? Let's plan on keeping them to a field goal. And so, at the worst, if we kick an extra point here, it's 28-24. They kick a field goal, 31-24, and then bam, we can go tie it up. That's the way I would have been thinking at that time if I was Lafleur. Like. We're not going to shut. Now, they almost did. <laughs> they actually almost did shut them out the rest of the way. But I wouldn't even have thought that way at the time. So see, it is an interesting but, way of thinking. Yeah, but see, it, then if you under that philosophy, though, that shows that in that moment you don't believe in your defense because Tom Brady's going to torch you all day. That's fine. But then was what, torched a, a, even up three points in the next 17 minutes? Is that getting torched? I mean. No, but you, hey, you just said it. You said we're going against Tom Brady. Can we stop him? Probably not. Oh, I see so what you, you don't said, have any yeah. faith in your defense. But then let's fast forward to the fourth quarter when there's two minutes left and you have a chance to tie the game, but you say, you know what? In this moment, let's kick a field goal and cause, because I believe in my defense. So yeah. you, you went from one instance where you don't believe in your defense and then you went from another instance in the same game with the same game flow that says that you do believe in your defense. Yeah, that, That's the contradiction and that's why it doesn't make any sense. He might have believed in the defense too much at times in that game yesterday. And again, against Tom Brady, I think you just got to be a little careful at doing that. And listen, they missed opportunities, right? I mean, I, the the touchdown before the end of the half is ridiculous. I mean, you, it's really hard to win a game when you give that up. By the bottom line is, when you give up that play before the half, and then you come out of the half, and you give up the turnover quick and a quick touchdown, I mean, how do you win? So you could su- summarize the game in those two plays that it's very difficult to win, and uh, but they got three picks in a row off Brady and Rodgers in the offense couldn't get more than the touchdown, and they could have stole the game in that moment, and they really didn't, and that's why I believe Austin. I think the Bucks are the better overall team. I had somebody on Twitter say, "Have you seen their safeties? They don't have any safeties." I'm like, okay, but did you see their front? And their linebackers can run with anybody and play with anybody, which I like in the matchup against Kansas City better than probably the Packers. But I thought the the investment in Brady obviously pays big dividends here in the playoffs and yesterday. But the investment in their defensive line, Austin, is what made the difference yesterday against Aaron Rodgers, who played pretty darn well. But they got to him, and yeah. they made it uncomfortable for him. And between Barrett and Sue and P, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, mm-hmm. I mean, 
those guys showed up. If those guys show up in the Super Bowl, the Bucks have a real chance against Kansas City. No, without a doubt. And, and you know, not to make any excuses, but the Packers' offensive line was kind of decimated by injury a little bit, True. right? I True. mean, they, they lost their pro, you know, Pro Bowl left tackle. I mean, All Pro tackle. Uh, then they had to move Billy Turner from the guard position to left tackle. You can tell he's kind of playing out of position a little bit. And yeah, you listen, like they just they were not ready for that defensive line, and it's. It's funny because I watched that exact same, oh, for the most part. Now, once again, keep in mind from two weeks ago, they moved some guys around. But I saw a team two weeks ago that dealt with Aaron Donald. You know, I saw a team a couple weeks ago that dealt with that defensive line of the Rams, supposedly the number one defense in the entire NFL, and they had zero problems there. So it goes to show you just a week-by-week basis, your team can completely change. Hey, do you think, uh, what do you think about the P.I. call at the end of the game um, with the Packers and Bucks? You know, it doesn't bother me at all. Um, I get it, right? I mean, in retrospect, yeah, you can be considered ticky-tacky, but the definition of that rule states that if you pull on that jersey or you tug on that jersey, that could be a flake. I saw the instant replay, I saw the screen caps of it, and I saw a pulled jersey. You can't be mad at it. Yeah, I, I guess initially i was like holy cow he flopped like i think i tweeted hold the flag officials he flopped because at the end of the play he did flop sure but before that they showed the replay and then of course you said at the screen grab i think cbs sports had it and the tug of the jersey was like i mean it was legit it it was like surprising that they didn't rip the jersey and no doubt see what i think about pass interference sometimes or any penalty is does it impede progress of the offensive player and well if you're pulling the jersey that much well the offensive player can't get to where he's supposed to be so i i i think in hindsight while you hate to see it i think it was the right call and it's really hard to say otherwise once you look at it i know they let him play i know all that stuff but i mean that was as obvious as obvious could be from the back judge's view and once we saw the replay of it um, no doubt about it. So it is the Tampa Bay Bucks in the Super Bowl. We'll talk all about it, um, of course, for the next couple of weeks. And I do want to ask you a little bit about these former Jags players playing in the Super Bowl. What about the Chiefs? How good are they? Is this the next New England Patriots? Are we about to get tired of the Chiefs? <laughs> Maybe. We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 Live from TPC Sawgrass, home of the Players' Championship, just about six weeks away. I thought it was a good team win. I thought uh, both, all the coordinators, all three coordinators had a nice plan. And um, the coaches did a nice job with it. And then the players, most of all, believed in it and went out and executed and played their tail off. And so uh, what a great opportunity for Kansas City and, <clears throat> and for the organization to have the opportunity of going uh, back to Tampa and playing the home uh, team there, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in their stadium, uh, which is the first time that's ever happened uh, with a team. So, uh, listen, we're, we're honored to be there, and uh, we've got work to get done uh, before we have a, an opportunity to get down there. That is Andy Reid. Please don't make it so that I have to hate Andy Reid a few years from now. Seems like such I, a good guy. I have a feeling no matter how much they win, you're not going to be able to hate Andy Reid. Yeah, there is something I truly about believe that, right? that. Is this it, man? I mean, well, first of all, with the, you played in that organization. Uh, does it 
mean anything to you that these guys are that good? I mean, is there a level of pride at all? And I know you're more Jags and, and yeah. Jacksonville's home and all that. So, yeah. Um, does that do anything for a former player? Um, I mean, yes and no. Like, if we're being truthful here, like my time spent in Kansas City, um, there was some fun times. There's also some like, what am I doing here? Because I don't belong in a three-four defense playing defensive tackle. So, yeah. like, from a schematic standpoint, for me being a player in that system, uh, you know, it's more frustration than anything. But as far as like my teammates are concerned a lot. Like I'm happy for a lot of those guys. Now I'm sad to see that Eric Fisher obviously um, won't be able to play because Eric Fisher is always an interesting cat because I was in camp his rookie year. And obviously he was the, he was the top pick of the draft. And with the top pick comes a lot of expectations, a lot of pressure. And I always got the sense that the pressure around him, whether it was like the fan bases, like the radio shows, they're all getting ready to say like, he's going to be a bust. He's not worth the number one pick. You know, he's a small school guy. He should have gone with somebody else. Well, I think he's really, you know, I guess notched himself a pretty fine career so far. He's re-upped on a contract and he's kind of been a staple now of that Kansas city offensive line. So it's cool to see him succeed. Obviously it's cool to see the, the, the evolution of Travis (laughs) Kelsey um, to say the least, because believe me when I say I didn't think that guy was going to make it, uh, you know, his rookie year, just from his attitude and the way that he's gone about things. But now it's cool that he, you know, he, he gets to rock the captain C, if you will. So that's cool to see. Um, Anthony Sherman, the, the fullback, who's kind of the unsung hero of that offense. I mean, he was a, always a great guy. Kind of like, you know, we'd say like Mr. Uh, Jaguar would be Brad Meester. Well, Mr. Chief yeah. um, would be Anthony Sherman. So that's cool to see. Yeah, there's a lot of great guys. And obviously Andy Reid, like for the situation that I was in where I felt like I was playing out of position and it wasn't the the best benefit for me. I always respected Andy Reed and I still enjoyed going to practice every single day because Andy Reed was at the helm and it's not just, you know, me trying to blow smoke up as you know what, like, I mean, he was, I enjoyed playing for that coach more than anybody. And I only spent like a, a training camp with him, but I could tell that, listen, when you got guys like Travis Kelsey and you had guys like Jamal Charles and you have like a leadership of Alex Smith, but you have so many personalities and so many egos and you're able to be yourself and not necessarily like rule with an iron fist, but just rule with a casual demeanor where if you have to get up to somebody, you can, but usually it's going to be a fun environment. That's Andy Reid to a T. And I I talk about all the time in terms of quarterback play, what makes a great quarterback. And I come from the philosophy of you have to have a guy who is calm under pressure. You know, he's never too high and he's never too down. If you go back to that game, uh, you know, the Chiefs-Bills, the Chiefs start off horrible, right? They're down by 10. But, like, even when I think it was Miko Hardman fumbled that ball on, like, whatever, the three-yard line, Bills getting ready to go score. If you watched Andy Reid, he wasn't flustered. Like he he didn't like he was unshakable because he knew what was up and Patrick Mahomes knew what was up. Like listen guys, there's plenty of game left. We have the firepower to come back. Don't worry about it. And that's kind of been the calling card I feel like of Andy Reid throughout his coaching career, where he's just calm, cool, collected. Whether they're up by 40 points and Kelsey's got over 100 and whatever 20 yards uh, receiving, and same thing with Tyree Kill, or whether it's last year and they're down the Houston Texans by 20 something points. Like that guy is unshakable and he keeps this calm cool demeanor so you know it's always go time yeah he's uh andy reed's 62 years old now and that's not old by the way Mm -hmm. (laughs) i mean that's not old and how 
are they going to be a dynasty? I mean, is this the start? Do they have to win this year to be a dynasty? Or are they already kind of on their way? Three straight AFC championships, a Super Bowl. They've got the best quarterback in the game. He makes it look easy. There's times where I feel like we talk about Mahomes too much. And then there's times like these where I don't know if we talk about him enough. He yeah. makes it look so easy that we don't even give him credit for making <laughs> it look so easy. So... I mean, is this the Patriots dynasty, but a more likable version, if you will, of the Patriots, at least for now? Again, we'll get sick of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, we get sick of winners. They'll, they'll be polarizing. But is, is it, are we headed for this kind of run? Because I asked that, and keep in mind what Jim Nance said at the end, and by the way, nice shout-out to Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville doing it. But he's right. I mean, there is Josh Allen, right? I mean, there is Deshaun Watson, wherever he might be. You know, there, there, there could be Matthew Stafford in Indianapolis, for all we know. Uh, there's Justin Herbert, right? You know, there's a lot of good quarterbacks and, and potentially a lot of good teams in the AFC. But can they run through it like the Patriots did for two decades? I don't know if it's two decades worth, but I'm talking the next handful of years. Well, you know, and listen, yes, there there are there is Josh Allen. There's a lot of quarterbacks coming up, but there's only one Andy Reid. And there's only maybe two or three Travis Kelseys. And maybe there's two Tyree Kills, yeah. right? Like. It's and they hard. got them all. And they, they have them all. I mean, they're, they're definitely... Really and there's not many Patrick Mahomes, by the way. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. The, the, the reason why I think that the Chiefs are definitely set to be a dynasty for years to come is because, in my opinion, they're doing it the right way, and they understand the game of football in terms of their, their front office, but especially their coaching as well. But when you talk about what the Chiefs have been able to accomplish, okay, obviously you get Travis Kelsey, great. You get Tyreek Hill. Now keep in mind, Tyreek Hill kind of a little bit of a troubled, um, you know, going in the NFL a little bit. But you got Tyreek Hill, right? And you got Patrick Mahomes. You have Chris Jones on defense. You have the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew. But what I'm trying to say is they've re-upped those guys, a majority of those guys. I think the Honey Badger might have a new contract coming up here pretty soon. But they've re-signed Chris Jones. They've yeah. re-signed Travis Kelsey. They've re-signed Tyreek Hill, and they've obviously re-signed Patrick Mahomes. They got him locked up now for like 10 years. Yeah, That's how you build a football team. You build through the draft, you cultivate the talent, you watch them grow, and then you re-sign them to that second, that third-year deal, and then you got something special. Yeah, I think uh, I'm going to ask you a little bit later on. Two questions. One question about Kansas City is why can't people stop it? It, it seems like so schematical now that usually by now people have caught up. And, and why aren't they? And what would you do if you're Tampa against them? So I want to ask you that, a little early look at it. But I also want to ask you about the Bucks. I think Twitter brought this up yesterday, and sorry, I can't remember who. But somebody said it doesn't feel that authentic in Tampa because of what you just said. The Chiefs drafted a lot of these guys. Yeah. They brought up a lot of these guys. The Bucks didn't do that. They just kind of like did the New York Yankee thing. <laughs> where they bring everybody in, well, and bam, here they are. Well, it's kind of like, I mean, especially and nowadays, it's like the NBA teams. You know I mean? We're talking about these it, superstar teams. It's a lot teams. more like that. Yeah. yeah. And so do we like that? Is is there a little bit like, eh, I don't want to root for that. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it a bit later. But next, I want to ask everybody, are you still mad at all these Jags? Are you mad at the front office so you can't be happy for the Jags? Are you happy for Leonard Fournette? Uh, he's going to a Super Bowl, and he's not alone. Byron Leftwich, Blaine Gabbert. How do you feel about that as a Jags fan? Plus, we'll talk a little bit of Jags stuff anyway here on uh, 4 o'clock hour. We're live at TPC Sawgrass from the Players' Championship, which is just about six weeks away here on ESPN 690.